Welcome to Growing Empowered Eaters. I'm your host, Ahuva Magda Hirschkop, mom of three, registered dietitian, and women's empowerment coach. I work with women around the world to support them in reclaiming their power, tapping back into their intuition, and harnessing the true power of the dinner table to raise empowered humans. Want to find out how? Listen along and you'll be sure to learn. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Growing Empowered Eaters. I feel like I say this every single week that I'm so excited for this week's episode, but this week I really am excited for my first interview that we've ever done um, with one of my favorite people. So it's going to be a fun one. I'm joined today by Sarah Vivich, otherwise known as the Passionate Physio on Instagram if you follow her. If you don't, you are in for a treat today. And Suravi is the owner of The Passionate Physio. She's a registered physiotherapist and pregnancy and postpartum fitness coach. And she's a mom of two littles. So she has like nothing going on. Like she's not busy (laughs) enough. Suravi is is passionate about breaking the status quo on what it means to be a mom. She helps her clients gain strength, confidence, and trust in their bodies through movement, self-care, and self-compassion. She offers online physiotherapy and fitness coaching to help people navigate diastasis, prolapse, leak, and pain through pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. She also offers her small group postpartum return to exercise program, which is prep, which is amazing, and her base fitness membership for pregnant and postpartum people. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ahuba. First of all, I'm honored. I am your first guest. This is incredible. (laughs) Um, I'm very excited to be here, and I love your page and your, your message that you spread out to your uh, parents that you work with. And I am so excited to have this conversation because I feel like to, though we're in separate spaces, we have, we live a very similar kind of value system and empowering our, um, our audience. A thousand percent. And also, I mean, it's appropriate that you're the first person that I'm having on the show, because I've said this to you before that every time that I'm doing dishes now, you're like in my head, <laughs> don't clench your butt, don't clench your butt, which is a really important <laughs> message to have every single day. It is, especially in those like day-to-day things that we forget that, you know, it's not just the five minutes or 30 minutes of exercise we do that makes a difference in our lives. It's like our daily habits that add up that we, uh, that makes such a big impact on how we feel physically. Totally. And I feel like that that's such a big thing that you work with, you know, women and mothers around. And I know that, you know, from my own experience of, I love exercise. I just, I love movement. I love doing it. It's something that is really good for my head, my head space. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that, you know, I always had this idea, I think, especially before having kids that it was that hour workout or it was, you know, yes. the class that you were doing or that chunk of time. And I think that that's something that I really love about your messaging is you, you work so hard to sort of break that down. So can you speak to us a little bit about you know, why we might have that. I mean, I I think I know why we might have that idea of the hour fitness class, Um, but how to work to sort of break that association. I would love to. So I'm going to give you a bit of history in my background and kind of what led me to that whole mindset shift myself, uh, both as a physiotherapist and as a person who also enjoys movement like you. Um, so as you kind of introduced me, I am a physiotherapist. I've been working as a physio for 10, 11 years now. And I remember working in clinic. I used to work only in person back before the pandemic hit and everyone switched to virtual. Now my business is fully virtual, which is amazing. I can reach so many more people with my services. Mm-hmm. But when I was working in clinic, I was like, why are all these moms coming in? And like, they're the ones not doing their exercises. They're the ones who are so stressed. They are, they don't seem to be, you know, quote unquote, compliant <laughs> clients. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And it's like big one. We, compliance is, I hate that term to begin with, because I'm like, first of all, I'm not your like leader that I'm like, you have to be compliant to me. Like I, I'm working together with you where we work together. We're on the same level. There's no hierarchy, but when you graduate from physics school, the way we were taught back then was hierarchical, hierarchical, where it's like, you're telling the person what to do and they have to listen to you. And if they're not listening, they're non-compliant. You're the expert. You're the expert. Of course you should know, you should know everything. And it's like over the years, I was like, no clients are the experts of their own bodies. They live in their bodies 24 hours a day and they know what they need. We are there to guide them maybe with specific strategies or tips or exercises, but we're not there to tell them to like change their whole life. And put aside time for an hour at the gym every day when that's not their goal or intention. And so it wasn't until 
I, I always had so much compassion for mothers because I saw that they were overloaded, burnt out. And unfortunately, a lot of moms still take on the brunt of the household work and mm-hmm. the childcare and they work full time. So their days are like packed. And I'm like, no wonder they don't have time for exercise or any other additional thing on their plates. And what especially surprised me was these are women who were like previously active. They were like soccer players, dancers. They were all, they all enjoyed movement and now they weren't doing it. And both you and I know that movement is not just important for our physical health. It's for our head, our mental health too. And so it's like this cycle of like not exercising. I'm more stressed. I'm more stressed. So I'm not exercising. Right. And obviously mental health is not just addressed through fitness. That's like Mm -hmm. one small component, but movement can help. And so when I became a mom myself, I experienced, um, symptoms like prolapse leaking, um, diastasis recti. And this was a huge shock to me because everyone was telling me, Oh, you're so active. You'll just bounce back. And physically I looked like I bounced back. So on the outside, people were like, what's your secret. And inside I was like, nobody seems to care about how I feel in my body. All they care is that I can fit into my old jeans again. And it was a real, um, I really felt like nobody cared. Nobody was like really asking, Serbi, how are you feeling? Like both mentally and physically, because if somebody had really asked me, I would have said like, I feel awful in my body. I just feel like my body's completely. You probably also would have just been like, thanks for asking anybody. I would have been been shocked. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I would have been shocked. And it's this assumption that you give birth and you just know how to be a mom. You know how to figure everything out on your own. And we live in a culture where we're not necessarily, I'm very close to my parents, like geographically, but I'm not close to a lot of my friends. Like in, we're not, we don't live in the same area. So it's not like I have this huge network of people to like lean on and rely on. They're all all there virtually and by text, but it's different when they're not there live. And so I truly felt like I was navigating this alone. I did see a pelvic physiotherapist who was excellent and, you know, was helpful, but I felt like she didn't uh, address my goals. Yeah. She didn't ask about my goals. I was just a standard postpartum client coming for standard postpartum physio, but I'm like, I'm not a standard. We're not all standard the same. Just yeah. because we've had a baby doesn't make all of us the same. We but all also have different so many people don't even know. Like, even if you are all the same, right. I always say to, to my clients in, in regards to feeding, like what is normal just means like what sometimes happens, right. It doesn't mean that normal is the goal, right. Like in incontinence, like leaking can be normal after pregnancy because it's something that needs to be addressed, right? It's something that happens. Yes. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but then we need to work on, right. Yeah. Or we need to address and, and you need to get support around. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, not everybody is sort of even as well connected. I mean, both of my sisters are pelvic floor physiotherapists, right? So, yeah. so, you know, vaginas are conversations that we, we have all <laughs> vulva is, a, is a, just a natural thing that we talk about. Right. And, and the information that we pass back and forth uh, yeah. around our dinner to my husband, when he got, got in, you know, married and joined our family was like, you guys talk about what, like you, <laughs> what, what is happening here? But a lot of people, even if they do have friends are sort of hearing that things are, are normal uh-huh. and yeah. almost sometimes even mistaking that for like, oh, well, I guess there's nothing I can do about it. Whether it's, exactly. I have no idea what I'm doing. I, you know, feel like crap all the time or like, I just feel like I'm a bad mom. Like all of these things in motherhood, all of those right? Things. Because the thing is, it is to a certain extent normal. There's this phrase in physio, I don't know if it's in just physio, but it's common, but not normal. It's common, but not normal. Right. I don't like that because it is normal. If, if 50% of people after vaginal birth have prolapse, that is normal. It is not abnormal. It is literally one and two. That's half. If, you know, 33% of people are leaking during pregnancy, that's pretty comp. Like that's pretty normal. So, but that doesn't mean you have to live with it. Right. So, um, you know, and that, I think it's a really important thing for, for people to understand. Yeah. It doesn't mean if you're okay, if you're okay in pain, if you're okay, living with aches and pains and leaks, and sometimes that's okay too, but most people are not okay with it. They feel deep shame. They feel like their identity has shifted in in their body. And it's, it goes beyond like I weigh more or I, my skin is stretched. It goes beyond that. It's like a physical confidence. Like most of my clients are like, I don't feel confident. Like I don't trust my body anymore. Like I don't trust that I can like go out with friends and not leak. Like, I don't want to smell like you. In. And like, there's okay. these deep, shameful parts of their bodies that they're 
hiding away because people are only asking about the baby. And so I really found that as a new mom, I was like, I need to do, I started speaking at like mom groups and I just shared postural tips and people were like, oh my gosh, I didn't know any of this. And I'm like, for me, this is basic stuff, but I'm like, people need to know this basic information because people don't know it. Nobody's coaching them on this. And so that's kind of where the idea for my whole business started. I was like, this is pelvic physio exists to help with the pelvic stuff, but there's no bridge between the pelvic stuff. And then the, the life stuff, the full body, like fitness and sports goals that people have. And so for me, I want, wanted to create something where I am that bridge where I can help people go from postpartum rehab to returning to their fitness goals, whether it's again, going back to playing soccer or like going through orange, orange theory five times a week or whatever it may be. And I realized that I'm not going to help moms do that by giving them traditional fitness advice and physio advice that a traditional physio is going to give, which is do these exercises, three sets of 15, um, do all eight of these exercises every day. And like, if you don't do it, then like, don't come back until you've done it. Like, that's just not going to work. Some of the advice even that I've seen, you know, other physiotherapists give is like the amount of of prep before an activity, let's say that you need to do before you're like, and engage this and look at that and focus on your, and you're like, I'm just trying to lift my base screaming baby out of, uh, out of their crib, even right. Like you want me to do five minutes of preparation before an exercise, before I'm going to lift up a child. Like, have you thought about, have you thought this through? No. And the the thing is they haven't, I think this is honestly a thing. And this is not to throw shade on anyone who hasn't had children, but this is something you will not understand unless you have had children. You just don't understand the busyness of it and the pace of it and the lack of time that is there when you don't have time, like you said, to warm up before an activity, like lifting up your baby. Cause it's not once you're lifting them up and then you're carrying them for hours. Like there's no breaks. If you're breastfeeding or if you're pumping or or bottle feeding, it's for hours a day that you're doing that. It's not for minutes. And so we're going from never having done it to then all of a sudden doing it all the time. If it's your first time having a baby and if it's your second or third, like you had twins, it's you're, you're trying to juggle multiple children while healing, while recovering. So the strategies have to shift. So a lot of my the work that I do now is I try to find ways to help moms fit these things into their existing days. So I like to get to know them a little bit more. Like we really get to know each other because I want to know what each person's day looks like. I want to know what their goals are. Nobody ever asked me postpartum what my goals were. They just thought my goals were to stop leaking while walking around. I'm like, I used to be a competitive athlete. Like I, I want to get back to running, but it was like, mm, might make your prolapse worse. And me, I was like, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm terrified to make everything worse. And so understanding that like at one of um, the physios I have taken a course with and I um, colleagues with Anthony Lowe, he said, women's health is more than just vaginal health. So if you're telling women to stop exercising because of their one thing in their vagina, that's not holistic women's health because women's health is also mental health, cardiovascular health, bone health. So we can't just take away activities like jumping and running because they may leak or they may have prolapse. We are supposed to be the ones helping them to achieve their goals despite symptoms, despite whatever injuries they may have through birth or postpartum or in life. So my strategy has all shifted. Yeah. Like it's so relevant. Again, I said, both of my sisters are pelvic floor physiotherapists. I had twins. Uh, they're now five, but so five years ago I had them. I was not allowed to exercise in pregnancy because I was a high risk pregnancy. I used to, the most I was allowed to do was, was walk. And I had to negotiate with my OB for that. Wow. He's like, walk for like 10 minutes. And I was like, I'm going to do 30. Cause that's going to be better for me. And he was like, <laughs> okay, if you think so, but I really did. And I had a very challenging time post birth, yeah. uh, mentally, like with my mental health. Yeah. And I started running six weeks after my twins were born. Wow. Would not, re- I mean, knowing everything that I know and yeah. even having asked and, and you know, all of those, put all of those pieces of every su- support system that I have in place was running two weeks, six weeks after giving birth to twins appropriate. <laughs> especially no. after, especially after pregnancy where you weren't able to be active. I no. think it is a little different when you were able to be active through pregnancy. Cause you don't, yeah. you maintain some level of like fitness, but yeah. like I had my first pregnancy, I couldn't be active either for different yeah. reasons. 
And my recovery after that one was so much harder because I was starting from scratch. Whereas my second pregnancy, I was generally fairly active and it was easier for me to get back to like accessing my core and accessing my body. But for my mental health, running was a really big thing. Even running isn't even something that is as much like a core of, you know, I, I like activity now I'm a bit more flexible with it, with what I do, but it was really something that was my go-to for mental health support. Right. And so even just, just to sort of highlight with all of the support that I, that I had in place, like that was still, I was like, how quickly can I get back to this thing? Yeah. Right. I didn't do it smartly. I don't think I did it with enough support. Did it cause me pain? Did I, did I have to sort of troubleshoot that along the way? Yes, I did. Yeah. But you know, we don't always understand people's motivations even. Yes. Right. And like, that's a really big thing is why are you doing this? It wasn't a physical thing, right? There's so many different reasons why maybe somebody does want to, although both of you and I would agree that we hate this, like, you know, bounce back and they're running six weeks after maybe there's, there's, there's a million different reasons. And I feel like we see this, you know, I talk to parents always about this as well. And in, in feeding and in, in different ways, we can't really troubleshoot a problem. And so we actually understand what it is, right? What's yes. the motivation behind it? Why is it happening? Why is a person, and I'll use, you know, just use, use myself. Why is a person running six weeks after a twin pregnancy? Yeah. I mean, a big part of that is the why behind the goals. So mm-hmm. if someone there's two, I find that there's, we exist on a spectrum. There are moms that want to get back to it right away. And then there are moms who are like, that would be nice, but I'll wait till the baby sleeps at night. That would be nice, but I'll wait till they're like in school. That would be nice, but I'm too busy now. Right. So it's like, we, we exist on a spectrum. Some people are like, I got to get back right away. And then I want to know for both. Why, why do right. you think yeah. that you're going to wait for this special time when life will be perfect and stress-free? Cause that's not going to happen. Is that going to happen? It's not, it's not going to happen. And sometimes they just need to be told that because everyone tells them wait till six weeks and then six weeks hits and they're not better. Everyone tells them, Oh, it'll be easier once they stop breastfeeding. And then it's not better. And so sometimes they just need to be told that life is still going to be busy. And in fact, gets busier when your kids get older. So learning these habits when you're, when they're younger is going to be helpful. And then there's the other spectrum where like you, and we call it sometimes athletes brain, Brianna battles had like coined that term. And it's essentially like your identity is an athlete. Your identity is a runner, but you also rely on those things, not just for your physical health, but for your mental health. And sometimes it's diving into, can we have other coping strategies in place right now? Totally. Because you don't have your primary coping strategy. So another example I give is like sleep is my number one for like mental health. But what if I can't get sleep because I have a baby that's waking at me up every two to three hours or every hour and a half or or more, right? Then I need to maximize my nutrition, my movement, my, my water intake, all of the other like pillars of health. Mm -hmm. And so if someone is like, I run for my mental health, can we increase supports elsewhere? Maybe they can speak to a therapist. Maybe they can do some swimming or something that's lower impact. And so I really think it's important to work with the with the person and not shame them or judge them for like wanting to do that because that's their goals. And how can we best support them to do that with less injury and with less, um, harm, right? Because ultimately there are people who are exceptional and bounce back really quickly and do run with no problems at four weeks, postpartum, six weeks. I wasn't that person. (laughs) And to be honest, I was not ready for running my first time around until well over a year. And with my second, it was a little bit earlier, but it definitely wasn't weeks. It was months. Yeah. And so everyone is different. And I think that going into their whys, like, why do they want to bounce back physically? Is it that they're insecure about their body image? Is it that they think that they won't be worthy if they don't look a certain way? Because those issues are not sorted out through getting thin. Those issues are sorting out, sorted out through working on body image. And so really understanding like why. And I think that in traditional physiotherapy, we so stick to just the physical part and we miss the the whole lifestyle and the whole like wellness approach to the person. And so I really try to bring in my coaching aspect along with my physio aspect when I work with someone so that I day one, I'm getting to the source of the issue instead of trying this and trying that and trying this and then realizing, oh, this never had to do with their like pain. It has to do with this stressor from their partner or like something else that's going on in their life that has 
more relevance to this issue than their actual physical, you know, body. Totally. And so, you know, I think that even for myself and it was definitely after my twins, sort of like the running was movement, right? Like exercise is this all or nothing um, idea. Yeah. And if I wasn't doing that, it was either sit on the couch or it was, you know, go for a run run. for like an hour. And that was definitely an idea that I've, I've had my own sort of, you know, evolution with diet culture and all of those kind of things. And I think exercise was actually one of the things, one of the last pieces of that, mm. meaning like that sort of stuff when, when I was talking uh, or, you know, had to work through a lot of those diet culture messagings around nutrition and, and all of those kind of things, still the exercise piece of like, it has to be hardcore, right? CrossFit. I never did a CrossFit, yeah. but it sounds good. Um, um, you're so right though. It's, it's this mentality that if it's not this, it doesn't count. And I think that it exists, like you said, in nutrition, but in fitness, it's even more powerful because we've heard the research. We want three minimum three days a week, uh, 43, 30 to 45 minutes of cardio high, moderate intensity exercise. That's, those are the Canadian guidelines. Those are the guidelines. And so if I don't meet the guidelines then what's the point, right? Or like, if Mm -hmm. I don't do in my head, what I think a workout is, then what's the point. And that would be great. If you have an ideal life where you have maybe all the support, you have a babysitter nanny to come watch the baby to secure your 45 minutes at whatever every day at that time. But the majority of people now do not have that support. So what is an alternative? Is it the alternative, nothing, or is it something? And so, you know, there are so many examples in life where I, I, I use toothbrushing because it's the simplest analogy. Like if I was to tell you, you are not going to brush your teeth for the next month, or I'm going to allow you to brush it for 10 seconds every night. What's your choice? right? I'm like a major flosser. So like 10 seconds every night, I would definitely take that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's better than nothing. I would be really, I would be strategic. I'd be like today, I'm going to do this half of my mouth tomorrow. I'll do totally. that half. <laughs> or I'll just be like vigorously working on my brushing skills. And so we make it count because yeah. that's better than nothing. And so I say the same thing with exercise and movement. And I'm like, you may not have the energy in your brain. You might say, yeah, Serbi gave me this workout. I'm doing this for sure. I'm going to get this in. Then that day comes your baby's exhausted teething, you're, they're cranky, you're cranky time change happens. And then you're like, I can't do it. So what's your alternative. And so I make it accessible. I give them mini workouts that I'm like, do this, this, and this choose one of this tier, one of this tier and one of this year, and then go three max. There's no like eight exercises to do in one day, unless you actually want to, and you have the time, then go through it this way. But But also it still counts. Like Mm -hmm. if I think this is one of the biggest things, again, you know, for me is like, it still counts if you do all of these movements or like, it's a, you know, it's a 20 minute workout or it's a 30 minute workout, let's say, or it's whatever amount of time that you can do over the course of an hour. Right. Because sometimes you need to stop and get your child a snack or the baby is crying. You need to pick them up or you need to change a diaper or, you know, I can't even tell you the number of times that I didn't exercise, especially with my twins. So I, you know, I have my 15 month old now, so this has been a very different time around, but earlier, because I was like, they're going to wake up in 20 minutes and then I'm going to change their diaper. Like, what's the point, right? When I could have, let's say done something for 20 minutes and then I don't know, used carrying them out of their cribs as a weighted exercise, right? Well, and this is, this is it, right? So I teach people don't wait for people, your baby's naps unless you're like, got a pro napper because naps are unreliable at best, at least with my kids, they were. And a lot of kids naps, they vary from two months to three months to four months, babies change. And so it doesn't have to be all or nothing. So when your baby's first awake in the morning and they're awake and playing and they're happy and giggling and what they're on the floor, you exercise beside them, use them as a weight. If you want to get your squats and your lunges in, use them for bicep curls or have your weights handy so that you're doing it right then and there. And so, like you said, it can be broken up into an hour. It can be broken up into the whole day and it doesn't matter. It's still going to be beneficial for your strength, your mobility, and your movement. The only real difference of if you're not doing it all in one go is cardiovascular benefit. You don't get the same, like acceleration of your heart rate and the same, Mm -hmm. like 
pushing your recovery time, but that's okay. We we're not heroes. We're not superheroes that we have to get everything in ASAP postpartum. This is about building a life that is sustainable and that isn't going to drive you wild. And also that allows you to get through those early years postpartum, because it's not just six weeks or even the first year, I would say until your kids are like school age and beyond you're, you're really having to adjust your schedule. Like some of my clients with six to 10 year olds, they're much better at like, oh yeah, I get my time to do this. But even Mm -hmm. for them, they're really exhausted and they're busy. So how can we make this work to fit your lifestyle now and not comparing you to like 20 year old you who had that hour at the gym. And I like that you brought up diet culture too, because there is this, um, shameful messaging in, well, you'll see it all over social media, right? Wake up and get your two hour morning routine in your meditation. Wake up at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. <laughs> Let's just start there. Yeah, like unnecessary. I always, I never want anyone to sacrifice their sleep because sleep is number one. My I don't want you to give up sleep. For this, yeah, for this week, I really like, I've wanted to, I've wanted to find people who wake up at 5 a.m. and just be like, just to clarify, are you doing that this week when really that's 4 a.m.? Like your body still thinks it's 4 a.m. Because that sounds like that's so true with the time change. Terrific. Well, and what time are they going to bed? Are they really going to bed at like 8 or 8 p.m.? Maybe. Maybe they Maybe. just put their kids in bed and they go to bed at the same time, which is great. But like I'm a night owl. And so I am going to bed later. So I am going to quote unquote sleep in as much as I can. And that's okay. There's nothing shameful about that. Know your know yourself, know when you have higher energy. If you're someone who is more energetic during the morning, get up and get your workout. in then if you are sluggish in the morning, but you're like, afternoons are my, my jam. I go out for a walk with the kids. I love in the spring and summer and the fall park workouts. You're taking them Mm -hmm. for walks, stop at a park and get your squats, your steps, do some hangs from the monkey bars. Cause there's so many different exercises you can get in when you're outdoors in the winter. Of course you still can. It just might require a little bit more um, safety just to not slip and fall on the ice. So when I was but, actually living at home still, yeah, I used to have a work, like a workout routine. It wasn't a real routine. It was just, I used to tell my mom that I was Matthew McConaughey because you <laughs> always, he's the one actor that you always see like exercising in a park. You're like, why are you on the monkey bar? Like just, yeah, every it's so single- true. At every single picture of him in like people magazine is him yeah. hanging from the monkey bars. He's just like, I'm going to hang out at the gym all the time looking buff. And that's yeah. that way. All the pictures taken of me are like in this angle. Yeah. So but it's always it's so, in a park. And that was so my workout. <laughs> and you know what? And it's, we're all like, I find a lot of moms go for walks with, to help their baby sleep. You're all out walking anyway. And so if I can show you some simple movements that you can do with the stroller right Mm -hmm. then and there, it saves you also the boredom of just walking. And it also helps you feel like you're doing something for yourself because ultimately that's what it comes back to. Movement is a way to do honor your body. It's a way to do something for you. Like while your whole day seems to be for somebody else, your whole day is taking care of your baby, but this allows you to check in for your for a few minutes, at least into your own breath, into your own body, release the tension that you're feeling and feel like you're, you're doing something for you. And for me, that was really important because movement has always been such a big part of my life. And even though I don't have the time to go for three hour bike rides anymore, I have, I strength train at home. And I find that getting in those bits of movement snacks throughout the day allows me to feel like I'm checking the box for myself. Like this is not for my kids. I'm not exercising for my kids. I'm doing this for me. And sure that behavior is modeled and they now watch me do it and they'll pick up my weights and want to do it too. And I think that's amazing. And especially as a woman, like how many of us grew up with moms that exercised? Like I didn't. And my mom does now, which I'm really proud of, but I didn't grow up with that example. And I want both of my kids I have a son and a daughter. I want both of them to see that it's not just men who exercise and that women yeah. exercise too. And for fun, not for like losing weight totally. or to, to slim or to tone they're doing, I'm doing it. Cause I truly just enjoy it. Um, and I think that's a really important shift for us to be able to make my daughters ask me actually what, what is exercise, right? If I, if I say to my husband, like I want to exercise or whatever, she's asking me, what does exercise mean? Yeah. Right. And my answer always is it's just another word for moving your body in a way that feels fun. Yeah. Right. And she'll ask me, is this exercise? Is that exercise? And my question always back to her is, I don't know. Does it feel fun to you? 
right? I love Because that. I never want to define, even though, and I say, I am a runner, right? It is a movement that I enjoy. Show me a Peloton. I will like, my butt cringes at the idea of sitting <laughs> on that seat. Like I am <laughs> Peloton's worst nightmare because I don't, I have no interest in wanting to ever take a spin class. There are people who love that. There are people who love hiking. There are people who love, right? All of those kind of things. And it's really important to me to never sort of put the way that I like to move. I love, I love the yes. example of modeling and I love the idea of like, I, I'm, I'm huge into modeling every, everything that we want our kids to know, but I don't ever want my kids to walk away with an idea of, you know, running is movement, weightlifting yes. is movement. Like yep. that, those are the things that we need to do because that's a problem in and of itself sometimes. I agree because I've, I've had other like active moms being like, Oh, my kids hate exercise. And I'm like, the thing is they may hate your version of exercise, mm -hmm. but no kid I know hates exercise. Like they might like hopscotch and that's okay. Cause they're still hopping. They're still moving their bodies. Other kids might like hanging from the monkey bars and other kids might like riding bikes. And so when we label only, like you said, CrossFit or like certain heavy duty, high intensity workouts as workouts, we, we limit everyone. We really restrict all of us. And so I like to just, for me, exercise is anything that's like intentional in terms, not, in, not even yeah. intentional, but like, if I'm moving my body, I'm just getting up to go to the kitchen. I don't count that as exercise, right. but if I'm doing it with the intention of, oh, I'm going to take a movement break. Then for some reason in my brain, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing some exercise today. I'm moving my body intentionally. If I'm climbing the stairs to just take the laundry up, that might not be exercise, but if I'm like, oh, I'm going to get my squats in while I climb up the stairs, like right. this feels good for my legs. If I'm tuning into my body for a second to just notice how it feels. Yeah, that's, that's exercise. So it's, it's, you can, you define it. And I think that when we set the bar really high for exercise to be only 45 minutes or this or that, we're going to fail, set the bar low. Like this is the one time in my life I, I tell people set the bar so low that you are guaranteed to succeed every single day. So mm -hmm. when I tell my clients, I exercise daily, they're like, oh my God, in their brain, they think I'm doing like 45 minutes of work. Yeah. And I'm like, no, but I am getting in some movement daily, whether it's lifting my weights, jumping on my trampoline or going out for a walk or something. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing in, in like every day doesn't have to be the same. Once a week, I usually get in a full workout, like strength training wise, or I'll go climbing or I'll go in the winter. Sometimes we, I went out for a ski, but it's not every day that I get to do that. But every single day I'm choosing to move my body intentionally, just like yeah. I'm choosing to brush my teeth, even though I actually hate getting up to do it. But once I start, I don't regret it one bit because I love the feeling of clean teeth and flossing is mandatory for me. So it's like, we don't always have to love the idea of like getting up to do it, but knowing why, know your, why are you doing it? Because you enjoy it. Are you doing it because your brain and your body feels better? Sure. Then that may be enough to push you into like, from thinking about doing it to actually doing it for people who yeah. struggle with motivation. And what I, I, I well, you know, work with, with women so strongly in like both my nutrition practice and in the coaching that I do specifically with women is clarifying your non-negotiables, mm. right? And because so often when we feel the mom guilt, when we feel, you know, the shame at the end of the day that so many women feel like I'm not doing enough or, you know, everybody else is super mom, but I'm X, Y, and Z, you know, I'm sure that every mother listening can fill in the blanks for themselves. If yep. we're actually either allowing our boundaries to be crossed in a way that doesn't feel good, yep. right. That feels like it's like, it's really taking, you know, taking away from how we function or we've set non-negotiables, but we're like, okay, well let's move 12 steps past that. Right. And all of those are really, really nice all of, you know, being able to, even if it's, you know, feeding your family, having a 12 course meal. Wow. That sounds like amazing. In it's theory, yeah. so far past the non-negotiable of putting food on the table, right. If that's what we're doing, right. Even like an exercise is the same thing. And I think that was a big thing for me. And for a lot of the women that I work with, it's, the non-negotiable might be, I need to move because that feels good for me. That makes me feel strong. And, you know, I know this personally, even as someone who in the past has struggled with body image, right. That was a really big thing for me. Um, growing up when my body doesn't feel good, somehow that magically coincides with those crappy 
body image days, right? When yes. you don't feel like you've ever, yeah. when I feel like I'm badass, like yeah. I've, I've lifted weight, I've, I've done my thing, like I've yeah. accomplished this, or I, I can feel my muscle, like just, and it doesn't have to be a thing for everybody, but that's what makes me feel at home in my body often, yes. right? Like it makes me feel amazing. And those are the times where, okay, body image, like what other people see, who cares? Because, who cares? because well, I feel and good. I, and I always go back to like, what I like you, you have your non-negotiables. I call it like, you know, I, I recommend clients during pregnancy. I'm like, write three things down right now mm-hmm. that, you know, feel, make you feel better about yourself. Yeah. And I'm not talking about like shopping or whatever. Like I'm talking about things that you can do literally every single day that are within your control. And so like, I like the word magnetic, what makes you feel magnetic. And for me, it's mm. like sleep yeah. for me, even though I don't always do that. I just know that that if I get my sleep, I always feel magnetic. And if I am drinking enough water, and mm-hmm. if I'm moving my body and so, mm-hmm. uh, but some, some seasons of my life, it's not those three things. It might be getting outside every single day might make me like in the winter. If I force myself to go outside, I know I f- that the day is going to be better. I don't ever f- want to go because I'm like, Oh, <laughs> and like the pandemic is making it harder. And we live boots. in a condo. We got to put masks on, get the kids ready. But I know that once we're out there, I'm like, right. I'm so happy I made it here. Totally. And so I think that before I had kids, I would never need to be motivated to do that. That would Mm -hmm. just be like, yeah, just go out. But sometimes post post kids life, life post kids, you might find that things that are so simple may take that added mental energy. So make it simple. And I like, you're like, okay, have your three non-negotiables, have your list of three things you're going to do every single day that are easy to do even on tired days. So don't make it a 30 minute walk, make it get outside. Right. So that, that like time limit isn't there. It's just, oh, I just need to move. I just need to get outside. You know, so I'm thinking of something with nutrition. Maybe it's eat a vegetable. It doesn't have to be eat a gourmet three bean salad with eight vegetables. Like it's just make it so easy that you're going to succeed because when you succeed more, you build self-efficacy, you make feel good about yourself and you're more likely to do more of it. But I love that messaging that you even said. And clearly, I mean, you're literally in my head every single time that I do dishes, but like that's, but those are the places, right? Like those are the places where moms find themselves yeah. day in. And, and we're, I'm, you know, we're not saying this is the way that it should be. And I'm not talking about people like we don't division of responsibilities and houses and whatever, but many moms, whether yeah. they have partners or don't find themselves doing the dishes or taking it out of the bath or all of those places where even if we do get those other, the 10 minute, whether it's 10 minutes or 45 minutes of activity anywhere else in the day, you can actually make a huge impact in how you feel in your body, depending on your posture and how you're doing those, those other activities. Exactly. And like emptying the dishwasher, you can do your deadlifts mm-hmm. then. And yeah, sure. You might say I'm not lifting 50 pounds, but does it matter when you're doing so many reps of it? Like I had a, I had a patient who was part of my prep, my postpartum return to exercise program. And she's like, I just counted in a day. I did 78 deadlifts like with life Damn, yeah, maybe girl. on the floor. And I'm like, I challenge you to count how many times a day you squat and deadlift, because if it's 10, yeah. you need to be moving more. You don't need to be squatting more. You just need to literally get up and move your body more. Like, so getting down to the basics, like we, as a society think that it's okay for us to sit for 15 hours a day and just work out hard for one hour. Totally. I would rather you spread out movement throughout the day than be sedentary. And then like, just go hard because that actually is detrimental to our, to our bodies. So yeah. it's, as moms, moms aren't usually sitting around, they're moving nonstop with their, with their kids. And so can we make it easier for you to do it like a squat or a deadlift so that you're building strength in your weaker muscles, like your glutes and your hamstrings, rather than always using your back to lift. Not that it's a bad thing to use your back. Cause I don't like to give that messaging either, but if you're always using your back, you're, I have losing- major muscle imbalance because my back is so strong. See, yeah, you you miss out. You miss out on your glutes, and we know that glutes are so like preach the it, muscles. <laughs> glutes are huge muscles, and if your butt is stronger, that will help your pelvic floor. That will help yeah. your legs. That will help your back. Um, and like everything feels easier. Climbing stairs, hiking with your kids, throwing the kids in the carrier, and going for walks. And you know, we underestimate the power of just like 
learning these little habits, my clients will always say, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. Like lifting my kids out of the crib now, the way you showed me. And it doesn't mean that it takes them like a long time to get into that posture. These are like tiny mm-hmm. little tweaks that you can make. And so that's the other barrier, I think, to a lot of people accessing care is they know it exists, but they think it's going to be so hard and daunting yes. that they won't be able to fit it in. Totally. And so, and that is unfortunately traditional physio is like that. I remember being given exercises that were so boring, that were so not functional. And I'm like, I don't even want to do it. And I'm a physio. Whereas if the exercises are functional and you're already climbing stairs, and I just give you one small tweak to make, to make it more of an exercise to build strength, you're more likely to do it. Right. So it's, it's creativity. There's a lot of creativity involved. And I enjoy that, which is why I'm on social media, because I like using creative ways to like teach and to show people how they can make this stuff work for them. Um, and really it goes back to like empowering people with the knowledge because I, I had a patient who was like, Oh, I was, my sister-in-law came over and I was teaching her how, what you taught me and her back pain went away. And I'm like, I'm training other people to be little physios. And I'm so happy about that because I really think that's amazing. It's not about like, I'm the expert and I, I hold all this information. Nobody else can have it except for through me. I really want people to just generally feel better and move better, move, move more and Mm -hmm. go back to kind of what humans are designed to do, which is like move, not to be like, but I think for women as well, like how, what kind of, you know, when we think about the fact that so many women are, are almost stuck in pain, feeling like crap about themselves for so many, you know, for so many different reasons, and their bodies are a huge one, right? And when we're talking about empowering humans, because that's always, I mean, that's the goal of this, this podcast is raising empowered, you know, raising empowered eaters and raising empowered humans. Yeah. Modeling that starts with how you actually feel in, in your day-to-day. Yeah. Right. And just being able to, again, having fitness goals is amazing and having movement goals is amazing. And if you want to be a pro athlete and you want to train for whatever, a triathlon, like, excellent. Yeah. But also just being able to know that you can do what you want and your body has your back. Yeah. Your body no has intended, your back, right? <laughs> Literally. And I think that's a good point too, is we, uh, we assume that our bodies are like fragile and broken and in, obviously we're not invincible. Right. Mm-hmm. But our my my son asked me how expensive, how much it, it, it costs to buy a new bone. And I was like, don't test that. We don't buy new bones. Just to clarify. Like, you can get your hips replaced, your knees replaced. But <laughs> like, I always joke. I'm like, don't mess up your, your wrists because you can't get a wrist replacement yeah. that I know of. But like, you know, some joints you can, but ultimately we are not, we are not replaceable. And we need to take care of ourselves because there's only one body. And that sometimes brings people a lot of guilt and shame going back to that messaging. And the goal isn't to shame you into moving your body. It's to going back to why are you so overwhelmed and burnt out that you can't even fit in like 10 squats when you Mm -hmm. get up from your chair? Like, because when we're basically breaking it down to the bare bones and if people are struggling to do that, it's not a, it's not a physical issue. It's a mental, like there's a mental health component. There's uh, a burden that they're experiencing that they're feeling unseen and maybe in their household, or they just have so much going on. So going for back a lot to of like women, that, it's also permission, right? Permission for it to not be an, like permission to just not do everything that you were doing before, even if yeah. that's the movement piece, right? Like doing 10 squats, not 10,000 minutes. Yeah. Not, not the like high intensity workout. And like, I had a client who's like, Oh, I'm trying to go to orange theory. And I'm like, great. And then like three weeks later, I'm like, have you made it yet? No, it's just been busy. I'm like, aren't you glad you've had all the workouts that I've been giving you? Because if you had just been waiting to get to the gym because your kids are now sick, you're good luck. Right. And like, we have these like in our brain, we're like, yeah, we're going to do it three times a week and two times a week. But the reality is it doesn't happen. And when we are able to take that pressure off and take the load off of like, yeah. I did a little bit and that counts. And I'm, I'm proud of myself. I find that it works out better. And people always ask, how do you do it all? Like they, they ask any woman in business, I think. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, that's how I don't do the yeah. dishes. I don't do the cooking. I, I mean, some like rarely I do it, but we eat out or we get canned food. Like we make it simple. Yeah. We fold laundry every like 10 days instead of like every, after every single load. So yeah, it piles up and like, yes, all of this stuff happens, but I think I'm worth more than a pile of laundry folded. Like I I know that 
people get neurotic about, I need my house to look clean. And I'm like, oh, if that's you, then get digging deeper. And why, why is it that? Is it a control issue? Are you feeling like you have no control over your life? And mm -hmm. so that is your way of seeking control. Like it's less about like the things we want and more about like why, right? Going, go digging in totally. deeper so that you can totally. So you can address the issues. It's like some women are like, I have to do the dishes. And I'm like, but why? Like, can you, can we not prioritize movement before dishes? And if there's a strong pull to do chores first, it can be lifelong messaging, cultural too, cultural messaging that, um, you know, it doesn't count or as a woman, you have to be doing those things. See? Um, yes, definitely. Sorry. Yeah. And so it's this messaging of like, like my mom, for example, she grew up with women around her who did all the housework and all the child, child caring. So she never complained. She was happy doing it, but where did that leave time for her to exercise or to yeah. take a break or to rest? It didn't. Right. And so her entire life, she's worked hard and not given herself that time for play and for movement and for fun. So we are different generation. We know a little bit better. We know more, we are more better connected socially with people across the world. So I really encourage people to break that status quo. Going back to like my message is like, I am an Indian woman and I am an immigrant. And so in my culture, women do, you know, X, Y, and Z, but there are Indian women across the world who are fighting against that status quo. There are women period of all cultures fighting across that, fighting against that status quo so that they're, they can live lives that have freedom and rest and fun too. It's not just for the men to go play hockey leagues and men to go play baseball. Women can do that too, you know, yeah. and starting to see yourself as somebody who is, uh, breaking the status quo can help because you know, it's not easy, you know, it's not simple, but you're willing to put in the work because it's worth it. Thousand percent. Okay. So I love everything about this episode. I think there are so many amazing takeaways for everyone who is listening, but if if they want more information, and I know that they all will, where can they find you? They can find me at the passionate physio on Instagram. And that's where I mostly hang out. I have a Facebook page too, but I'm rarely ever on it. And then email. So Surabhi, S-U-R-A-B-H-I at thepassionatephysio.ca. And my website is www.thepassionatephysio.ca. It has ways to contact me, to book a consult. I see people virtually worldwide um, for virtual physiotherapy in Ontario and virtual fitness coaching worldwide. And I also have a fitness membership where I help people who are pregnant postpartum who maybe, maybe don't need the one-on-one -on -one support, but they need help with fitness mm -hmm. and making it super clear and concise, but also effective so that they're making gains in strength and mobility, um, throughout it all, because traditional fitness ignores a lot of the typical pelvic floor symptoms and the, and the core yeah. difficulties that can happen during pregnancy and postpartum. So those are my main two methods. And then three times a year, I launch my prep, which is my postpartum return to exercise program, which is an online small group program. Um, and I'm just wrapping up my, my first round for this year, um, today. And so that's so exciting. That's me. <laughs> Amazing. Well, sir, we thank you so much for joining me. I'm very grateful. I love this conversation. I really love that you've made me also see how similar the messaging that I give is to what you, you say too with nutrition. Yeah. And I think personally it's helped me because I'm like, Oh, I don't feel so guilty that I didn't have veggies with this meal. It's like, you know, it's like, take the pressure off and take that like diet culture mentality of every meal has to look perfect or everything has yeah. to be a certain way. And just, and I, I think that it's so great. Even like the question you asked, like the why, right? Why yeah. do we feel like we need to, every single meal has to be beautiful and Pinterest worthy and all of those kind of things. And just exploring like, what are your non-negotiables? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Going back to going back to your main like values, right? Like yeah. what are your values and what do you prioritize? So I hope that anyone who's listening gives themselves so much compassion because it is yeah. hard. It, it's not easy for people who are in this field, who are quote unquote experts. I still struggle to get movement in some days, but for mm -hmm. me, I take that pressure off by making it setting the bar low. So I make sure I achieve it every day. Sometimes I still take, like, I still struggle taking that pressure off, right? Like that idea of like, if it's, if it's not my longer and I have to go back and be like, no, I know that's just like, you don't yours of conditioning. Yes, that, yeah, it's yours exactly. of conditioning. And I always say, if you've spent 30 years believing something else to be true and you've practiced some other way of thinking for two years, 
you have more experience in the old way. And so like, it's like learning a new language. If you spoke English for 30 years and you're now learning French, you may go back to thinking in English and then you can't shame yourself for that. That's just because that's what you are better at. And so giving yourself time to, I think my friend in is the one who told me that analogy. And I'm like, that's exactly it. It's a new Mm -hmm. language. So give yourself time to learn it and be compassionate because we're human. We, we get influenced by external. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, I wish I fit into those genes, but I'm like, why am I even thinking that I should know yeah, better? But I'm like, totally. that's why, because I'm a human being. Yeah. I'm yeah. a human being. So it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. We're all normal, but we all have supports and you don't have to suffer in silence or feel like you're destined to feel glum in your body yeah. uh, physically or mentally. Like there's always ways to improve it. And that ways can be accessible to your lifestyle. And if someone is telling you to stop lifting your baby or stop running or stop doing everything because you have a certain symptom, like ask for a sec- second opinion, unless you're like, really like you have a fracture or something. Yeah. But yeah. like, ask then, for, then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like ask for a second opinion, because just because you go to see someone, it doesn't mean that they're the expert that is the right fit for you. Right. We're yeah. all, it's all about the right fit. I offer a free call on my website through my website so that we can connect and see if working together is a good fit. Because I, you know, if someone's like, I just want to lose weight, I'm going to maybe say I'm not yeah. the best fit for you. So, totally. it's- and I think that it's always like, that's a really big thing for people to know for, for anyone, whether it's, you know, in coaching and nutrition and, and exercise is like, someone might be like, you know, an expert, you're still allowed to be like, actually, this isn't a good fit for me Absolutely. as the, as the consumer, right? Like as yes. the client, as um, as the person seeking out coaching or, you know, looking yep. to, to, that's, that's valid, right? Like somebody might not have an approach that you like, or that you resonate with, or that you find empowering. And that's so legit. You are and the expert of your I own always, body. I always look at like, even, even clothing, like Arcteryx and North Face are very expensive brands for like outdoor clothing. Mm-hmm. I fit into Arcteryx much better than North Face. I'm not going right. to say, oh, North Face is shitty. It just doesn't fit me well. So totally. I am going to choose something that does. So there's no, never like an insult or like to anyone. If you're like, this just isn't the right fit. I want you to feel like you get the best service for you. Mm-hmm. And so I want that for everybody. And so I, I really think that, um, yeah, if whoever's listening wants to reach out, send me a DM has questions. I would be happy to answer your questions. And if I'm not the best person to help you, I can connect you with somebody who would be better. Totally. Okay. Well, Sarby, thank you for your time today. If everybody should go follow her because then you too can have her in your head telling you to unclench <laughs> your butt. So I'm not thank the only so crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Ahuva. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And thank you for all of the listeners who took the time to listen. Amazing. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Growing Empowered Eaters. Before you go, Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Leave us a five-star review and take a screenshot and send it to me over on Instagram and my handle at Ahuva, A-H-U-V-A-R-D, so that I can say a proper thank you for joining me on this mission to Growing Empowered Eaters.